Welcome, everybody, to the next session of Exponential Wisdom. Uh, pleasure to be here. My name is Peter Diamandis with my dear friend, mentor, and coach, Dan Sullivan. Dan, how you doing, my friend? Well, I'm very excited. As a matter of fact, I'm still glowing from the new feature that you introduced into the Abundance 360. It was there in sort of a rough form the previous year, but boy, it was just dynamite this time, and that's your Convergence Catalyzers. And, yeah. You know, I said, well, that's a weird title, but then I got into it, and I said, well, what else would you call it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a great catalyzer, and one of the things about technology is that they converge, and then they catalyze each other, so it's the perfect name, and both sessions that you had, both on the Monday morning and the Tuesday morning, were just dynamite. I mean, I had more people come up to me and said, those two sessions worth the trip. Yeah, and they were for me too. I love it when I learn as much as the entire audience does too. So let me explain this. Let's dive into one of the technologies, sensors and networks, the Internet of Things. So the concept is the following. There are a number of technologies growing exponentially. Computational power is growing massively. We're going to be at 10 to the 16th cycles per second in about six years, which is the rate at which our brains compute. A $1,000 computer will be calculating 10 to 16 cycles per second. And then 25 years later, a $1,000 computer will be calculating at the power of the cognitive capacity of the entire human race. And that's awesome. But what's more exciting is that sitting on top of all of that computational power are other technologies growing as rapidly. So these technologies are sensors and networks, artificial intelligence, robotics, 3D printing, synthetic biology, material sciences. And you can be an expert in any one of these fields, right? You could be an expert in robotics, really know what's going on in all the robotics companies from Boston Dynamics to Rethink Robotics. But that's not enough because it's not robotics in isolation. It's robotics with new materials and AI and 3D printing that create new capabilities that are unimaginable. So we have these what I call unexpected convergent consequences. And my goal this year at Abundance 360 and what I want to share in Exponential Wisdom is this notion that that as these technologies come together, they transform the world. So let's chat about the first of these technologies is networks and sensors. You can think of networks and sensors as the Internet of Things. And we had a brilliant gentleman by the name of Raj Tuluri join me on stage. Raj is the senior VP at Qualcomm Technologies of IoT, of Internet of Things, and of mobile computing. So what is the Internet of Things, and what is this concept? So today we have somewhere between 15 to 20 billion connected devices. A connected device is your phone, your computer. You might have a connected light bulb that you can change the color on. It might be, obviously, your television, your watch. There's a whole slew of things that are connected. And in your home, you may not think of it, but you probably have 20, 30 connected devices in your home. In the next five years, that's going to go from 15 to 20 billion connected devices to 100 billion connected devices by 2020. And each of those connected devices now have on them a dozen sensors, right? Your cell phone will have somewhere between 10 to 30 sensors 
a magnetometer, a proximity sensor, a light sensor, a microphone, GPS, all of these things are sensors. So imagine 100 billion connected devices, each with 10 to 20 sensors. We're going to be living in a world of a trillion sensors. (laughs) And then things become interesting. (laughs) Two things. These are anecdotal. But yesterday, Babs, we're building an extra guest house on our compound in Toronto. We're talking about the lighting system. So Babs wants a system where she can talk to her. In this case, it'll be Siri because she has a smartphone. But Siri, she'll say, that light in the corner, I just want you to dim it about 20 (laughs) degrees. And by this time, in five months, we'll have lights that Babs talks to Siri and Siri dims the light bulbs. So that's one example of sensors. The other thing is what I really love is parking garages where the moment there's a vacancy anywhere on a floor, there's a light on the ceiling and you can just scan the ceiling when you come onto any floor of the thing and it's immediately identified where there's a space available for you. It seems like a small thing, but I've been in situations where we've wasted 10 to 15 minutes just missing a free space. Someone got there before us. And that's just a very, very small example of the environment that you're actually operating in actually becoming intelligent and kind of looking out for you. You know, the environment is becoming responsive and very, very resourceful on your behalf. What IoT, Internet of Things, enables, you're spot on, is a smart environment where the world is meeting your needs before you know you have them. Mm -hmm. So when we asked Raj, what were the most important and exciting developments over the last two to three years in sensors and networks in the IoT space, I want to just recall the five, and then we can talk about them. He said, first of all, it's the emergence of continuous, low-power, always-on sensors and processor cores. And what that means is effectively your cell phone is always on, always listening, always imaging, and you don't have to actually go physically do something to turn it on. And the implication there is that what you just said, the environment is smart. It's listening and looking. And it's not fully smart yet, but eventually it will be watching everything you do. It may watch you enter a room and the lights and the temperature and music and everything adjusts itself to what you need. The second thing he said is the fact that the smartphone business itself drove the volume of sensor manufacturing to the multi-billion dollar mark and drove the cost of sensors down. And my favorite example is like the first GPS unit ever built was like $120,000. Cost of a GPS chip right now is a couple of bucks, right? And we don't think about the fact that the sensors in your phone were million-dollar sensors that are now effectively, you know, pennies. It's crazy. He then went on to say that the innovation is happening as the sensor data is being collected on your phone and also on the cloud. This, this relationship between the digital device in your pocket and the cloud and the data flowing and the computation flowing freely between those two. And he said the 4K video screens, and we had this also from our friend Philip Rosedale, that the video screens and the ability to record in 4K video is miraculous because somewhere between 4K and 8K, your brain can't tell the difference between reality and the video recording. Right. Crazy stuff. Peter, 
I'm going to bring up a very, very positive subject, and then I'm going to bring up uh, a typical type of negative response to this. Yeah, sure. John Farrell, who's a great friend of mine, he's one of the top IP lawyers in Palo Alto, right in Silicon Valley. And he was telling me that one of the big things that's been very mysterious in the United States probably over the last decade is that violent crime has actually gone down in all the major areas. And he was suggesting, and he had a lot of research to back it up, it's because sound sensors especially have been inserted all over the cities. And the moment there's a gunshot, which would be violent, or there's a sound that's identified as abnormal, Patrol cars are actually alerted and say, well, there was just a gunshot over there. And there's this sense on the part of the criminal community that they're being watched. And, you know, they, <laughs> one of the outstanding features of any strong, very moral, ethical, and legal system is the feeling that individuals have that they're being watched, <laughs> that their behavior is being noticed. It actually alters people from violent behavior if they're going to do something illegal. So that would be an example of, you know, what I think is a very, very positive thing. I mean, you go to London, and, I mean, if you walk 50 minutes in London, they've got 5,000 photos of you. <laughs> It changes morality of our society, right? I have to warn my or educate my children that if they do something and it's caught on video, it's there forever. Yeah. And we've seen how this has changed morality where a video taken of a cop abusing somebody all of a sudden leads to that cop's conviction. Yes. And we just had that in LA just a couple of days ago. And what we have to realize is we're heading towards a world, and I write about this, I talk about this all the time, that you can know anything you want, anytime you want, anywhere you want. There are constellations of satellites, including Mm -hmm. one of my own from Planetary Resources. There are going to be fleets of drones imaging at centimeter resolution. Whatever Google Glass becomes in the future will be imaging. We're going to have autonomous cars with LIDAR imaging everything. So There's not going to be any place that you're not being seen. You know, radical transparency is coming because of the IoT, because of the Internet of Things, and it's going to change cultural norms and mores and morality. So that's the positive. Now I'm going to talk about the negative because Stanley Kubrick set us up for this, you know, in (laughs) 1967, and I, I can still, I memorize the line. Dave, what do you think you're doing? You know, it's Hal, and Hal <laughs> sees everything on the ship, you know. Yeah, in fact, Hal is reading Dave's moving lips. Yes. When, you know, Dave gets into a spaceship, he goes outside of the main yeah. space station so that he can be away from Hal. He turns off all the communications, but the AI can actually look through the portal, see his moving lips, and read yeah. his lips. I mean, Yeah, I always remember it was a Canadian actor, Douglas Rain, who is the voice... What do you think you're doing, Dave? <laughs> you know, and everything <laughs> like that. So talk to that, you know, about this fear of, yes, we're being seen, but it's sort of malevolent. The being witnessed and being observed is actually malevolent. And that's a fear, you know, because Hollywood feeds on it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you got a big thing about the news media. What about Hollywood? I mean, Hollywood is planting these powerful, negative, fearful pictures in people's minds. I say this all the time to my friend Jim Giannopoulos, who's a dear friend. He's a trustee at the XPRIZE. He's the chairman and CEO of Fox. And I say, Jim, stop with these dystopian movies. I mean, come on. It's like, hey, this horror films do well. You know, what can I say? Yeah, yeah. You know, so we see AI 
always as Terminator, right? Yeah. One movie did an interesting job, which was her, mm-hmm. in which you know the AI was intimate and it was gentle and it was loving and it was supportive and it got bored of humans and left, and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can imagine that. Yeah, but. I believe, and we'll talk about AI as one of our convergence catalyzer topics, I believe AI is one of the most important advances that the human race will ever create that will allow us to actually give us the power to address terrorism and global warming and all the issues that we have at a scale that we've never had the tools. You know, you can't solve a problem from the level at which the problem was created. You have to step up one level higher. Well, AI allows us to step up one level mm-hmm. higher. And I think that we're ultimately merging with and evolving with AI. And I believe that as systems become more intelligent, they become more loving and supportive, not negative. You invited Babs and I to give some input to one of the XPRIZE contests you have coming up. One of my inputs was with AI, if you have an AI companion What's that AI companion going to be like? And the person I was talking to at, at the XPRIZE, I simply said, well, have you had a favorite pet in your life? And she said, this is Stephanie at AI. Yes. I said, do you have a favorite pet? And she said, yeah. And I says, well, what were the qualities that made it your favorite pet? And she named out four or five things, you know. And then I said, have you got a best friend from childhood that's been a friend continuously from childhood and she did and we named out the characteristics and I said now combine all those characteristics of the best pet you've ever had and your best friend from childhood that's what we're going to program into our AI companions and the things around us that they're going to just love us and we're going to love them back I agree and we're getting ready I can't say much about this but to announce our AI X prize at TED And it's really a focus on, as you've said, AI-human collaboration, which I'm very excited about as a subject area. So let's take a second and look at, you know, when we talked to Raj, the senior VP of Internet of Things at Qualcomm, one of the largest chip manufacturers on the planet and largest network producers on the planet, what was his top five excited things for the next three years, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you can actually predict where things are likely to go and build your businesses, not on what exists today, but build your business on what is anticipated to exist in three years, that's when you have a real unfair advantage over your competition. So his first, which is really important, is he said, we're going to have massive network densification and the cost per megabit will plummet. So what that means is imagine over the next three years where your ability to get an amazing connection at multiple megabits leading to multiple gigabits is everywhere. And there's going to be micro grids where you are not competing. You've always got it. Imagine in a soccer or football stadium having a hundred or a thousand 4G, 5G networks so that there's never loss of signal and where the cost now plummets, think about bandwidth as ubiquitous and free everywhere. Mm-hmm. What happens when that happens? Mm-hmm. And where ZDNs always works. Yeah, where ZDNs always works. <laughs> Inside joke. There. Inside joke there, yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of activity and initiatives on wrapping a grid of wireless networks right around the planet. So it doesn't matter where you are on the planet, your phone works. And at 40,000 feet or Mount Everest. I mean, it's like, you know, the downside, of course, is 
you're never disconnected. They're going to phone you. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to be inside an MRI machine, you know, that, that they <laughs> exactly. can't get you there. Yeah. Anyway, so the one that really got me was the peer-to-peer tech. That's going to happen in people's lives almost faster than anything else. Yeah, I mean, where everything is connected, as you were talking about in Babs's experience, where everything is connected to everything seamlessly. And your phone, your car, I mean... When I hop into my Tesla, of course, my Tesla now has the intelligence of my phone. It's all my music, my calendar, everything comes up on the beautiful large screen. And it's going to drive desires and drive safety, and it's going to change the world. Mm -hmm. Another point that Raj brought up is that the cost of global internet connectivity is going to plummet via satellite. So it's not just that the cost per bit is going to plummet. But it's that we're going to have internet, which is the nervous system, the knowledge system of humanity available to all 8 billion people at megabit to gigabit speeds effectively for free. Yes. And that's going to change the world. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't appreciate the growth curve on the planet in every area that's positive that just comes from everybody having access to everybody else. I mean, each person for their own unique reasons. But just to grow up and be born with the freedom that, you know, at birth you're going to be given a technology. By that time, we'll have earplugs where you can talk to somebody in one language and they hear you in the other, and you can talk to literally anyone on the planet. I think people don't appreciate the exponential explosion of human creativity and productivity that's going to happen with that. It's the ultimate democratization of a particular technology. The day before yesterday, I was in Dubai. I was keynoting the government summit there. Quick aside, the day I was there, the ruler of Dubai announced the Minister of Happiness. Mm. That would be a very fun conversation for us to do here, is the importance of measuring, understanding happiness. We're thinking about a happiness X prize. Yeah, what are the metrics of happiness? Yeah. Yeah. So it would be great for your team and my team to note that. But I was there with Nicholas Negroponte, one of the greatest thinkers MIT. Of, of, mm-hmm. of our digital age, the founder of the Media Lab at MIT. And he was also keynoting this event and talking about internet as a human right. And that's the direction we're heading. We're not only mm-hmm. is it free, but it's a imbued human right that you have access to the knowledge base of humanity. Right. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Next subject that Raj talked about is the exponential growth in connections to the internet from various devices, personal homes, cities, and again, Dubai really working on the smart city. But my four-and-a-half-year-old twin boys will go up to a TV and try and scroll it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just heard someone the other night, they have a new fridge, and it has sort of like a black screen. And their two-year-old was actually taking his hand. He was trying to swipe the front of the refrigerator. (laughs) He said, where's the image? Where's the image? (laughs) No, I mean, it just shows you how that young brain up until about six. At six, the brain just starts getting rid of all the cells it doesn't need. You know, but up to six, it's in a highly experimental mood. You know, it's actually doing lots of interesting things. And the final one that Raj brings up is the realization that we're heading towards a world in which we're all going to be wearing head-mounted interfaces that are rich bandwidth, have sensors on board, 
and you can use all the time. Dan, you wear very stylish glasses. I'm enjoying watching you right now as you're wearing them. Mm -hmm. uh, once in a while, wear reading glasses. But I think we're heading a future where all of us are going to be wearing glasses, not to give you better vision, but your glasses, very much that look like current glasses today. I'm an advisor of a company called Magic Leap, which has raised a huge amount of capital as a startup at multi-billion dollar valuations. Mm -hmm. And the technology they've designed in the augmented reality world, the glasses you'll be wearing, they'll look like stylish glasses. They won't look like VR goggles and all of those mm -hmm. things. Won't look like the Borg. It won't look the, like the Borg, right. There'll be glasses that, mm -hmm. that you have on right now, except etched into the glass and then fiber optic photons coming in that reflected into your retina. And then in the border of the glass, it will be micro cameras imaging and seeing everything you're seeing. And then from your glasses by Bluetooth to perhaps a phone or whatever, mm -hmm. then by gigabit connection to the network, you'll be walking around constantly with gigabit connections and a suite of sensors, mm -hmm. knowing what room you are, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and all of that data is going to be uploaded to your personal AI, helping you process stuff constantly, giving you knowledge and information that you're going to need in a microsecond that you don't know you need yet. So here's my take on that. The way that somebody knows that you're really serious about them is you take your glasses off. Oh, interesting. <laughs> no, I mean, they're... Uh, yeah, sure. No, I can totally get it, right? And that's going to be a sign of tremendous appreciation for another person is actually to take your... Well, wow, that's true intimacy, right? When, yeah. Or it's yeah. like when you turn your cell phone off when you're having a conversation with somebody. Say, so listen, there's nothing else more important than me being with you right now. So, you know, how is the date? You can't imagine this. In the first date, she took her glasses off in the middle <laughs> of the first date. You know? No, but I'm talking about that humans respond to these things emotionally. And so yes. if you bring in a new capability, people will completely transform what the meaning of that experience is. I just find this very, very interesting. It'll always happen in the work setting first because there's just millions of reasons why people should be hands-free. Yeah. So if the data is you're just opening your eyes and you're seeing the data, then that's fine. But it's kind of interesting because, you know, my interest is how do human beings respond? And they always respond in unpredictable ways, you know. But uh, the social etiquette is one of the constants of human activity. I see that a lot. To close this subject on the point you just made, you know, I have a venture capital fund called Bold Capital Partners that I created with Singular University and some other top venture capitalists. And BCP is looking constantly at where to invest. One of the investments we just made is a company called Meta, yeah. which is the use of augmented reality for the workplace. Babs and I went and did the demonstration. What did you think of it? It was fantastic. I mean, uh, I've done that before with her, but I couldn't affect the images that I was seeing. And this, I was able to reach in to what I was seeing through the goggles or the visor. Yeah. And I was able to move the objects with my hands. And it was very clear that they were responding it wasn't sort of that they were responding. They were just actually responding to that I was moving things around with my finger, even though if someone was looking at me from the outside, I was just pointing my finger, but I was actually seeing <laughs> things. Yeah. No, it's a fabulous. So Matt is like one of the cool investments yeah. in the AR. And I met John at the yeah. Abundance. Exciting stuff. So listen, I think 
let's, as our next uh, session, let's talk about AI. Yeah. We had an amazing conversation with Stephen Gold, who's the head of the ecosystem at IBM Watson. He's the chief marketing officer, the VP of business development. He runs a $100 million fund on AI at IBM Watson. So maybe that's our next podcast. Yeah, terrific. I had a great talk with Stephen at the backstage. I mean, he's got the ultimate toy in the world right now. But let's talk about it next time. Yeah, okay. Dan, a pleasure as always, my friend. See you soon. Thank you, Peter.